welcome to the Fantasy Bros NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Jason. Joining me, as always, is my brother and bro, baby Jake. Jake, what do you got for the people? What's up, y'all? We just got done earlier with our second Duck Dynasty dinner. It was fabulous. Nice little four-course meal, and I'm stuffed to the gills. Same here, but we're still going to power through. We'll make it a quick one here. Today, on this episode, we're going to do a little recap of the $25 massive double-up entry that we put together last night. And then we're going to take a look at the Millie Maker winning lineup and a few at the top there and try to look for some trends, something we can take away from it. So moving forward throughout this season, we can get some ideas on how to construct good lineups that have shots at winning tournaments. So on that note, let's pop on over here to our DraftKings window. And this right here is that $25 massive double-up. You can see over here where I'm circling... We just barely got in the cash line here. We're one point from being out of the money, but guess what? All that matters is we weren't. So this is a double up. It's one of those contests where I'm trying to see how many people entered this. If it has that number. So 7,000, it says 3,500 positions paid. So 7,000 people entered. And like I'm saying, you just have to finish in that top 3,500 to win your 50 bucks. It doesn't matter if you get first like or 3,000 entries. 8,045. Oh, you're at 8,000. So DraftKings keeps a bit of the rake. So that's right. They got to keep their fee. So 8,000 people, but you finish in the top 3,500, you get your 50 bucks. So in this, we're trying to build a lineup. It doesn't necessarily have to be correlated. We just want players with high floors. And this is a lineup, like we always mention, we play players that have higher projected ownership so that we don't have to get too much more different than the field. We're just trying to keep up with everyone else essentially and be a little different. Um, typically in the defense and tight end spot is what I shoot for, but here you can see me circling the players. We went with the Philadelphia Eagles defense for $2,300. Um, and I thought they'd be even lower owned than this. Their projected ownership was coming in around 7 or 8%, and you had some defenses coming in around... 20%, I believe, there was a defense this week. Yeah, the so, Cardinals was super high. The Cardinals, that's right. For 3,100, the Cardinals playing the Texans was a projected, highly owned team. So we took the Eagles at 11.3, thinking we could create some differentiation. Sorry about that. My dog decided that um, now is the time for her to play with her ball. So <laughs> we may have a little background noise, but bear with us here. Maya, feel free to do that later. So we went with the Eagles D. They still ended up at 11%. What got us, though, is they only scored one point. Anytime you're playing a player that's heavily owned, as long as they have a little flame next to them here or return value, it doesn't matter so much. But we're trying to get different here. If we can get a low-owned defense that outperforms the field's favorite defense, that's where we create leverage. Jake, what are your thoughts here with this lineup? I'm just happy we made the money. I'm like, with that many snowflakes, sometimes things can get off the tracks and you end up crashing and burning, but we slipped on in um, with our ownership. I mean, we played the guys we were supposed to play, like Henderson, Godwin, Big Time Chalk, our tight end. We you know, did what everyone else did there for the most part with Seals Jones at 30%. Ridley was a good play today, I felt like. A lot of people were on him as well. Um, I think we had a great cash lineup. Yep, I think so too. And one thing we should say, last night when we built the lineup, we went with Sterling Shepard, 
but news broke before the game that he wasn't going to play because of injury. So I took the liberty and I plugged in Marquise Brown here at similar price. That was the only change we made. I didn't switch out any other positions. So we went with Marquise Brown, a little lower owned, but it was a play that I really liked this week. And he ended up scoring 19 points. So in hindsight, that might be the move that got us there. Someone that was under 10% owned that scored 19 mm-hmm. and we only cashed by you know a point. That really is the difference maker in my opinion. But like Jake said, running back-wise, we went with the chalk. I know a lot of people were going to play Derrick Henry this week, too, and he didn't return value. But look at this. 72.8% players in this contest played Darrell Henderson. So even though he only scored 9.4 points, almost three-quarters of the field were in the same boat as we were. So that isn't really what did us in. And Chuba Hubbard, he only got us nine points as well, but also 36% owned. So over a third of the field owned him. So these are the guys that got the snowflakes for us, but they were also two of the most heavily owned players in this contest. So it didn't hurt us any more than it hurt anyone else. And then we uh, we ran Jalen Hurts. He's been our favorite cash game quarterback all season. We play him. We may have played him every single week this year, including week one. We both were on him pretty high coming into this season. And he just continues to have these flames over here. 24.5 points this week. And he does it every single week for us. He's not really that correlated with other players because he gets there with the rushing floor. So I haven't run any stacks with him yet this season just because earlier on it was hard to tell if Jalen Rager was going to maybe assert himself as the alpha and have a second-year breakout or if Demonte Smith was the real deal, if Dallas Goddard was going to take a step up. And... You know, really, uh, I'd say Devontae Smith has asserted himself as the number one receiver, but it's hard to run double stacks just because there hasn't been anyone else. And some weeks, Devontae doesn't even get you there. <clears throat> but stacks are what we look to run for tournaments, not necessarily cash games. Also, like Jake said, Godwin, he was 54% owned. Chalk receiver, it scored 28 points. So that was someone you needed to have in your lineup. Otherwise, the field was going to lap you there. Uh, we played Calvin Ridley. We thought that 6600 was a very fair price for an elite wide receiver talent. He came in at 32% owned, got us 12 points. So he didn't quite return value, but when he's that heavily owned, you don't really fall behind the pack too much either. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones, 30% owned, 11 points. Coming in at $3,700, you know, he returns that 2.5, 3x value. So that's what you're looking for in a cash lineup. And then DeAndre Swift at 6000 This guy's been one of my favorite plays all season. And he ended up putting up 28 points, only 10% owned. That was pretty good for the running backs on this slate. So that is our cash lineup there. Uh, Jake, you have any other thoughts on it? Something else you wanted to point out? No, I think you covered all the bases there. All right, right on. Let's jump over here now to the Millie Maker Contest. Now, unfortunately, what we're looking at here is not a lineup we submitted. This is the overall winning lineup. So this lineup right here scored 237 points. They ran a Stafford, Cup, Van Jefferson double stack and brought it back with DeAndre Swift. Then they played Chalk Godwin. They had McLaurin, who was in that Green Bay-Washington game that we had mentioned a couple times this week. Mm -hmm. We thought it would be a game that would go under the radar, and it had easy players to pick from. With Washington, you have McLaurin, or you could go down to Ricky Seals if you want to stay cheap. With Green Bay, you have Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. Outside of that, I, th- I think Tunyon scored a touchdown today. So 
Him and Lazard, yeah. And they Lazard. Kind of the guys that typically don't score. Got some touchdowns for Green Bay. Mm-hmm. So you could have played Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and played either of those other guys. But, you know, this guy obviously with Stafford Cup, Van Jefferson, and then Swift. I mean, those were, I think all four of those, they were four of the ten highest scoring players on the slate. Mm-hmm. So that's a good foundation right there. You get a little different with Damian Harris. He still came in at 12% owned. But when you score 28 points, it doesn't really matter how owned you are. Godwin, 26% owned, scored 28 points. And then you come down. This is a really smart play right here. I wish I had been a little heavier on him. There was news this morning that Darren Waller was potentially going to sit out with an ankle injury he sustained at practice. And it ended up before kickoff, they announced him inactive. Well, his backup, Foster Moreau, is at the minimum salary, $2,500. And we all know how involved Waller is in the offense. You got to imagine they'd been scheming him up all week. Well, now that he's out, you can't really just do a full 180 pivot. And Foster Moreau has been a touchdown vulture throughout his career, even when Waller was healthy. So I don't even know if this is necessarily a sneaky play. It's just a really sharp play. Mm-hmm. He's only 2% owned, which is unbelievable. I really thought, even with the late notice, he would have been approaching double-digit ownership. But he scored 18 points coming in at the min salary. And I would say that right there is what allowed this guy to get up to McLaurin because the rest of these players were pretty chalk. I, I can't believe Swift was only 7% owned, but I'm sure that he was the most popular bringback in all of the Matt Stafford stacks. So playing Moreau and going up to McLaurin in that Green Bay game is a great way to create differentiation. And then he was still able to afford the Buccaneers defense for 4K, and they scored 21 points against the Bears coming in at only 2.8% ownership. And the Buccaneers' defense is a great a great play when it comes to the opportunity in point scoring, but I think what would scare people away is the price. Mm-hmm. So again, by going down to Moreau, you're able to kind of afford these higher-priced pieces with higher ceilings than what the rest of the field is. What are your thoughts on this one here, Jake? Anything stand out to you? I mean, he's doing it right. The process, you want to try and correlate, and... He ran it perfect there with the Stafford, Cup, Van Jefferson, bringing it back with Swift. And then he just made the chalk calls that a lot of people did on Godwin. Mm-hmm. And the Morel. It just makes sense. I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm blown away. I mean, we're talking this is the Millie Maker where there's t- over 200,000 entries and there was only 2% ownership for Morel. I'm, yeah, shocked at that number. Yeah, this is not a unique lineup in my opinion. I actually I ran four tournament lineups today. One of my tournament lineups was a Matt Stafford with Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson double stack, and I also brought it back with DeAndre Swift. I also played Godwin in it. So when you're looking at playing, what is it, nine players, and I had a lineup that had five of the exact same nine this guy played, and the rest of these guys were in my player pool. Damian Harris was someone I was heavy on this week. Mm -hmm. Terry McLaurin was someone I really liked just because of the talent. He has no competition on his own team, and when you're playing at Green Bay – you expect that they'd be playing from behind. Now, they only scored 10 points here, but going into it, you don't know if it's going to turn into a shootout or, or what, and you know that McLaurin's going to be a target hog. And then, like we already touched on with Darren Waller getting ruled out, Foster Moreau coming at the min salary, I'm kind of kicking myself for not hitting the lock button on him in every lineup, to be honest. That's what you look for. Unless you're running a tight end in a correlated stack, you're looking to punt for a player that has touchdown equity upside. And, I mean, this is just everything here. Moreau can Mm -hmm. score a touchdown in any given week. And then you factor Waller, who's essentially 
the Raiders' number one receiving target. You factor him out of the game. Yeah, Moreau should have been much more heavily owned, and I wish that I had been on him a little more as well. Defense is always a punt. I mean, this is a good play right here. It's a good defense, a little overpriced, which means the ownership is going to be low, and then they scored 21 points. That right there, I mean, that's kind of the difference maker. Mm-hmm. In, in these Millie makers, let's take a look at the second-place team. So the second-place team only scored one point fewer. They played the Giants' defense, which scored 17 so that right there. Otherwise, the double stack is is it the same? They didn't run they didn't run Jefferson. So it was a single stack with Stafford Cup. They brought it back with Swift, and then they played a Chase Jamar Chase and Rashad Bateman secondary correlation. But you know they got second place by one point, and you're looking at this. Their defense was a little bit more owned and scored four fewer points. Otherwise, pretty much hit across the board. Rashad Bateman, they're projecting him to come in a little higher ownership leading up to the games. Mm-hmm. Looks like he finished at 16% and only had 11 points. So that's somewhere – Jamar Chase more than made up for it if you're just combining that correlation. Those two players in that game environment together scored 48 points, which is good. Yeah, phenomenal. But Chase scored 37 of them on his own. So – you know, they could have got unique here. Now, obviously, Bateman came in at $3,400. So, if you're getting unique, I don't know who else you go at at that price point. You know, you're limited with options there. But otherwise, uh, what are your thoughts here on this lineup? You played Stafford, DeAndre Swift, Michael Carter at 4800 The Michael Cup, Carter Chase, play, I'm really mm-hmm. surprised. I, yeah, I mean, as it shows, not a lot of people are high on him, but... 1.9% ownership in this contest. He... Got pretty good value out of him. I mean, 17 points, and the Jets only put up 13 points. Mm-hmm. And it correlated with Damon Harris. I get a mini correlation there. Yep. Now, that's a unique correlation because they're both running backs, and that mm-hmm. that's not as typical. But Michael Carter, he can catch passes, and he's really become the every-down back for the Jets, and he's only $4,800 here. And like Jake mentioned, he's coming in under 2% owned, so... Um, he was in my player pool this week. I don't think he ended up making it into any of the lineups just because I loved that $6,000 range running backs this week. But at 4,800, he scored 17 points. I mean, that's a you know 3x return. Jamar Chase right here was the slate breaker, though. I think anybody yeah. that played him in their lineup, that, that's just such a difference maker. And this guy had cup as well. So you're getting 77 points between those two players alone. I mean, that's halfway to cash that's in and a double up. Yeah. Yep, yep. And then when you play Stafford along with Cup, it it just it makes sense. You know, it makes sense how they got there. This guy also played Kyle Pitts as his tight end. He ended up scoring 26 points at only 7% ownership. So I think that's a really good play as well. Kyle Pitts has really been playing their slot receiver role. Hayden Hurst is their true tight end. So I know Kyle Pitts obviously has tight end eligibility. But I think that he's just going to continue to get peppered with targets more and more as the season goes on. He was playing out wide today, too. I think he had quite a few snaps at X. He had that one-handed grab right mm-hmm. along the sideline. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, he's more of a receiver than a tight end when you think of traditional roles. Um, he did come in at 50, is that 5,900 there? Yeah. So, you know, after this week of 26 points, and they're going to continue to see how he's used in the offense, I wouldn't be surprised if his salary continues creeping up and goes up into the 6,000 range. But the way he's being used, that may just send ownership down because his price is going up, and we know what he's capable of. He scored 26 points this week. So it might actually make him a sneakier play in tournaments moving forward 
just because his ownership might continue to decrease. Any other thoughts here on this lineup? No, I'd say it's pretty solid. I mean, they made a lot of correlations, and that's what you got to go for. Yep. Yeah, and the reason correlations are so important in tournaments is because it's not that you're necessarily predicting how a game will happen, but you need a game to happen a certain way for you to beat the rest of the field. So what I mean by that is if Matthew Stafford is going to score 30 points, well, he's not a mobile quarterback, so who's he throwing it to? And we know that Cooper Cup has been his favorite receiver this season, so you're going to play him with him. Well, to get 30 points, you know, he might need another receiver too. So you saw in the winning lineup, they played Van Jefferson, who's a cheaper option. It's a second-year receiver. Typically, wide receivers break out during their second year. And he was coming in at, let's see what his salary was here, $3,500. Yeah, and he scored 14 points, so not a ton, but that's nearly a 3x value at 4% ownership. So you're creating leverage there. And then outside of that, um, if those guys are in a shootout, well, then you want to play someone from the other side. DeAndre Swift is the best player the Lions have. He catches passes. He gets goal line carries. It's a playmaker that they're trying to manufacture plays for and get the ball in his hands. So it makes sense to bring him back with him, and he scored 28 points. And then from there on out, you're looking for value. Maybe you're looking for a secondary correlation, like Jake mentioned, Michael Carter and Damian Harris. Otherwise, they, they went with Bateman, Jamar Chase as a secondary correlation. Both very fair price, and Chase ended up having a slate-breaking type of game with 37 points. So that's exactly what we're looking for. Let's scroll down here. This is an interesting lineup here. So this, this lineup here got third place in the Millie Maker, and this they played Tua as their quarterback, returning from injury at only $5,500. And this is really unique. They played Damian Harris and Brandon Bolden as their running backs, both New England running backs. <laughs> I mean, this just doesn't make sense to me, but it, they got there. Damian Harris had 28 points. Bolden had 19 points. Bolden was 0.1% owned, coming in at the minimum salary, 4K, for a running back. It's probably the only entry with him in their lineup. Probably. Probably one of very few. But because he played this low-owned Brandon Bolden, low-owned Tua, look what he did with receiver. He had Cooper Cup, who was a little chalk at 19% owned, but he scored 40 points. And he got up to Devontae Adams, who's $8,900, 19% owned. Now, he only scored 19 points. He didn't return value. But if you can afford Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams in a lineup, I mean, that's, that's awesome. Anytime you can do that. And as we continue going down the lineup, they also were able to afford A.J. Brown and Mike Evans because they went with Foster Moreau as their tight end. So they played a minimum salary running back, a minimum salary tight end, a $5,500 quarterback, and then they went with the Titans D, which was only $2,100. So this is a, a stars and scrub stars lineup. Stars and scrubs, I'd say, right there. Yeah, like the epitome of that. Now, not all these players returned value. Well, I should take that back. They all did except Devontae Adams. A.J. Brown scored 30 points. Moreau had the 18 like we talked about. And Mike Evans, he had three receiving touchdowns today, 31 points. And then the Titans defense against the Chiefs scored 17 they had four sacks, a pick, and two defensive fumble recoveries. So the two New England running backs in the same lineup, that's just something I could never do personally. But, you know, obviously it allowed them to jam these other elite receiving options in. And everyone everyone had themselves a game. You know, and even Devontae Adams didn't return value for his price. But they had a player in their lineup who scored 19 points. 
And it's the only player that didn't have a flame. And that's why they finished third. You have any other thoughts on this lineup, Jake? It's bogus. I mean, the, <laughs> the running backs, I, yeah, I don't imagine in any scenario I could do that, play the same running backs from the same squad. Yeah, and it's really surprising because Bolden at 4,000, Harris at 5,700, you would think you could get down to, what was it, Miles Sanders 5,100 this week? Mm-hmm. Was Mike Davis 52? Um, Michael Carter was 48. So, yeah, that's very interesting that they went with these two players, but it worked out for them. Let's check out the fourth team here. This is um, another Stafford, Cup, Van Jefferson, double stack, brought it back with Swift. They were able to get Jamar Chase in there. They played Gusecki at tight end, which I was really high on him this week as well. He ended up with 21.5 points, and then the Chalk Godwin with 28 points. So it looks like really the only play that held them back was Devontae Booker, who only got 14 points, coming in at $5,500. Now, he was at 4% ownership, so had he been able to get to... I mean, this person was only six points away from winning the Millie Maker. So if Devontae Booker scores 20 points instead of 14, this is the number one lineup. Mm -hmm. So I see where they're going, and I do really like this. I think Booker... Booker was a good play. Yep. He gets a lot of volume with uh, Barkley out right now. He gets, I mean, I think all of the running back touches. I don't even know who yeah. else is behind him. Um, Elijah Penny had a few carries last week late in the game, but like Jake said, Booker is the, the alpha. He's in there for every down. He's going to get goal line work. He can catch passes. And very fair price, $5,500. I mean, he's still almost 3X. It's not that he had a bad game. He just didn't have a good enough game for this person to win the Millie Maker. And his ownership at 4% is really surprising. I thought he'd be higher than that because of his price and the fact that we just know he's going to get the work. So I think from a process standpoint, that's a good play. It just didn't quite get him there. And that being said, this person still won, what, $50,000. So I doubt they're kicking themselves too much. (laughs) Um, And the rest of these are just great plays. Let's just take a little peek here at fifth, see if there's anything unique. Um, Nothing really crazy. It's a lot of the uh, same sort of plays. Now, this person did have – they played Chase, and they also played C.J. Uzama as their tight end. Uzama came in at $3,000, 5% owned, and he ended up scoring two touchdowns and got 24 points. So he had a great day. But that's a kind of interesting playing two pass catchers from the same team and not having them paired with their own quarterback or even the quarterback from the other team. So that's kind of unique. Not quite as unique as playing two running backs from the same team. <laughs> But you don't see that all that often either. Yeah, this is an odd one. I'd say you have the running back and a receiver from the same team as well, Damian Harris and Aguilar. Mm-hmm. And like you just said, the Bengals guy's there. The only correlation he has, it looks like, is just Cup with the skinny sack with Stafford. Yeah, they don't even have a bring back in this lineup. Mm-mm. Um, Fournette came in at 10% owned. Harris came in at 12% owned. I really like that combination of running backs. I think they're both fair priced. And... 10% and 12%, that's not that bad for running backs. A lot of times you see the ownership on running backs really condense, and you might see uh, Darrell Henderson with 40% ownership in a Millie Maker, Derrick Henry with 30%. So I really like this price range, the upper 5,000s, low to mid 6,000s, and to be able to find two workhorse running backs in that 10 to 12% ownership range, um, that, that's, that's really nice. I like that. Yep, Nelson Aguilar coming in at 1% owned. He got a touchdown early in the game, and it looks like he was pretty quiet after that. 
He only had two catches for 51 yards on the day. 13 points, um, 3,700 price. He was popping in my player models. I just really didn't want to play much from that New England Jets game other than Damian Harris. But it makes sense. You know, 3,700, he got you 13. That's fine. And then they played the chalk defense, the Cardinals. They came in at 37.5% ownership at $3,100. And they got 11 points. So not bad. But again, that's one of those where a defense with, you know, 37.5% owned, they might get you a goose egg on the day. And you could play someone a couple hundred dollars cheaper, a couple hundred dollars more, who could then end up, maybe they get 11 points. And that's where you see your differentiation. Defenses are really volatile. I mean, week to week, they are not consistent hardly ever. Yep. Defenses and tight ends, I would say, are the two that I'm more willing to punt than anything else. Well, that wraps it up here. We looked at the top five Millie Maker lineups and our double-up lineup. Um, I think that that will do it for this episode, unless you have anything else to add. No. No? That is a solid... Solid episode right there that we covered. Yeah, no, that was fun. I really enjoy doing these recaps. It helps us take a look back at what just happened today. And we're able to look for trends, look at winning lineups, good plays. And then maybe see something, you know, over a few weeks, we'll keep seeing some of the same players pop up, some of the same correlations, ways to find leverage in roster construction. So I think this is something we'll continue doing every Sunday night. We'll be back Tuesday night. We'll do a first look. We'll take a look at game lines, spreads. And then we'll hop in and look at the DraftKings salaries and the difference in salary from this week to next week. And we'll just kind of talk about some things that jump out to us. That'll come out Tuesday night. You'll be able to catch it anywhere podcasts are. This, obviously, you're listening to it now. It's out. So make sure you follow us on the socials. We're at Fantasy Bros NFL. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. And then you can find us anywhere podcasts are. Make sure you uh, like us, hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. Give us a thumbs up. That's right. We'll see you guys Tuesday. Thanks for hanging with the bros.